pleased at what I am. I say what I think that the company stinks. Yes, I'm a union man. When we meet in the local hall, I'll be voting with them all. With the head of a shout, it's out, brothers out. And the rise of the factories fall. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Union fans. My name is Chris Straub-Wallace. I am your host here at Zola Talk, the sound of the Union fan. First and foremost, we want to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. And we also want to thank phillysoccerpage.net, who have been a fantastic partner to us here at Zolo Talk in allowing us the space and the support to reach more Union fans like yourself. Excited for today's show. We're going to talk, as always, all things Union. And let's first start off by talking about the unfortunate loss to Orlando last weekend um, over at Talent Energy Park. A very disappointing loss for a Union team who's again getting uh, out to a tough start to the season. Um, this loss um, would put us into well, out of playoff position for first things. Um, I mean, there's a lot of season left to go, but the beginning of the season when we had a schedule that I think was supposed to be helpful to the Union that was supposed to be a little easier than some starts in the past, We've made it pretty difficult. In the five games the Union have played, we've only scored three goals. Uh, I believe maybe only one of them against the run of play, even 11 on 11. Uh, To those three goals that we have scored, we've given up six. And from those five games so far, we have five points to show. Very disappointing start. And I'll tell you what, fans, it doesn't get any easier. It's very concerning as the Union now head to Dallas away, followed by home at D.C., and then two tough away games in Toronto, followed by Columbus. So for a group that thought that they had an opportunity to really get off to a hot start, um, unfortunately that hasn't quite occurred. Um, Some good news, though, this week. Um, The union did announce a signing. I believe it's pronounced Olivia Mbezo, uh, who's going to provide some defensive depth. He's a 20-year-old Cameroonian national who has played on the Cameroonian national teams, at least the youth teams. He's a player that was brought in, I believe, as a trial early in the year, um, and it's worked out. Now, uh, just from kind of hearing some of the things from the union, they talk about this as a player that they recognized had the ability to contribute right away in the MLS. Uh, Personally, I think it's probably a little bit of that and a little bit of a a needed depth. Um, There's no kind of getting around that the union back line has been snakebitten by injury early in the season here. Josh Yarrow, Richie Marquez, now Elliott, all down with injuries uh, early in the preseason or early in the season. And it's left that back line a little bit thin. Uh, even when Elliott went down this week against Orlando, we brought in Mark McKenzie, who is a homegrown talent, but a guy who I don't think uh, the union were expecting to get real first-team minutes this year. Uh, Mark did a great job, I thought, for you know a young kid, uh, played at Wake Forest last year. Um, but he came in and with a back line that includes, you know, a lot of youngsters with Austin Trusty and Matt Real back there. Um, I thought he did a nice job for what, the time that he was in against Orlando. Um, but Mbizo will provide that depth. Um, I believe that he can play both right back and left back as well as center back. So all of the four spots he's available uh, as we come into the weekend where we may be a little bit low on depth at center back. With I'm not sure that Marquez uh, or Yara would be available. So. Expect him to be in there. So that was a little bit of good news that the union were bringing in um, another young player with a lot of potential. Um, 
And then uh, this week also, Jim Curtin had his press conference. Uh, you know, he's still staying positive. I thought that it came off in a way that, you know, he's still pushing the guys. He has confidence in his group. You know, but he did talk a little bit about um, being able to uh, attack centrally. Uh, and I think that's been a, a real struggle for the Union so far this year. I mean, if you look at the um, statistics, they're getting a ton of possession and a ton of shots off in these games, but they just don't have a lot of finishing. And if you're actually watching the game, you're probably recognizing that they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of dangerous movement, you know, straight against um, the middle in the middle of the field. Everything's going around the outside. Uh, and they're looking for those crosses to connect to CJ. And it just hasn't been there yet. And that could be due to the formation that we only have one person up front. It could be that Dutchkal is uh, not quite ingrained himself into the side. And um, there's a bit of a chemistry mix. And it could have to do with just um, the team that's being uh, put out there week by week. And, and perhaps um, we don't have a player in the midfield, in the center midfield specifically, who's willing to take on its uh, defenders one-on-one and go by them and put themselves into dangerous positions. Um, so nonetheless, uh, from Curtin's press conference, it sounds like he recognizes that. Um, and, you know, he's keeping confidence in his squad, which makes me think that you're going to see probably what looks like the same 11 out there from the game against Orlando. And hopefully the results are a little bit better. And again, you know, the statistics, if you look at it, they're getting shots off, but it's just that they're missing that finishing piece. Um, so it's a little unfortunate that they haven't scored enough goals um, to really bring that many more points back. And uh, five points in five games is certainly concerning, um, but that's where we are at this point. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, go into the Zola Talk mailbag. We've actually had a few of our listeners write in with some questions that they wanted to have discussed. Um, so we'll get into that right after this break. Thanks. All right, welcome back. So we're going to get quickly here into the Zolo Talk mailbag. Our first question comes from Karen in Pottstown. She asks, what's up with the Union Full Court Press? Uh, It sure doesn't seem to be bearing any fruit early, and it doesn't look like the Union can sustain the pressure through 90 minutes. What are your thoughts? Well, Karen, I think you're right. Uh, I do think that the Union are trying to uh, press high up the field. Uh, I think that what you're seeing in those first 15 to 20 minutes um, is the execution of a high press that Curtin's putting on, that he wants to put on pressure, that he wants to take control of the game, win the ball back, and then keep possession. Um, I think, you know, obviously it's not bearing fruit as we, don't, we aren't seeing a lot of, uh, you know, mistakes in the back that are leading to goals for the union, even though maybe that's a bit of the plan. Um, I think that it's been interesting to see how we perform in second halves. I, I think so far you could say that the union look like that early press is starting to wear against them. Um, whereas time goes on, they're getting a little bit more tired. You're seeing that press kind of weaken a little bit. It's getting easier to break. Uh, and specifically, sometimes we're getting caught being late to press. So if you think back two games um, where Austin Trusty got caught coming up maybe a little bit too late, um, he misses the tackle in the middle of the field, uh, and it leads to a break, uh, and, and the goal scored – that's a little bit later in the game, and I, and I do believe that a little bit has to do with the fact that they are so intent and pressing so high. You know, this is a union team that for a long time didn't have the ability, didn't have the talent uh, to play a, a possession-style game, right? It was always built on, um, you know, this press and trying to get some counterattack goals. And Jim Curtin talked about this in his press conference, that teams are recognizing that the union have the ability, they have the talent to win the ball back, uh, to pass the ball, to control possession, to play some of that 
The question is translating that possession into real dangerous attack. Um, and I don't know if this team is ready for that. So they seem ready to, to press and, and to win the ball back. But then when they get the ball back, it's a bit of a question of, well, what do we do now? Um, and a lot of it feels like the same things. They're working the ball um, into the, you know, they're starting in the back line, generally in the center, and then they're choosing the side, whether they're coming up the left or the right flank, they're trying to get the ball wide, and then they're making those crosses in. And it's been cross-a-palooza, one after another, a lot of crosses early. Um, and they haven't looked to get inside, to take people on. And if you look at the way the teams are starting to defend them, they're starting to see that the Union don't want to come down the center of the field. They don't want to use Bedoya to attack centrally. They don't want uh, Harris to be central with the ball and to be looking to play balls through the middle. They look to get outside, and teams are starting to say, you know, Olay, take it. Go on outside. Enjoy that space out there. Cross in because there's five, six of us that are sitting back in this in the middle, and really all that you have here is C.J. Sapong. So as much as you can look at C.J.'s production so far and think not a lot of goals, you know, we just maybe extended him. He's coming off of a high goal season last year, and it's been a little bit down. A part of me wonders, is, is it even possible for him to be scoring goals with the tactics they're currently using? And that comes on, you know, Jim Curtin to find a way. Um, and a lot of it goes to how this team has been built, right? So we're constantly looking for volume 10s, a player like uh, Barnetta or... Um, we look, you know, we have Harris, who's more of a control number eight, or I guess he's more of a six, even though he doesn't, he's not a big defender, but he likes to kind of sit in that pocket right above the central um, defenders. We haven't been built with players that are um, aggressive, who like to put pressure on defenders, who like to take defenders on one v one in the center of the field. So. Yes, does Akam like to take players on? Yeah, he does. Does Fafa like having the ball at his feet and being able to run at or at least try to go past defenders? He does. But when the ball comes to the middle to uh, Dachgal, what I've seen so far is he's quickly looking to either play the ball back where it came from. He's not often looking to get turned around, get square himself to goal who's in front of him and then make a, a dangerous play or a move and, and take a defender on. And I don't know. I don't know a lot about Borek Dachgal. I don't know if that's even part of his game. But I think it's a you know it's something that's missing from this team. It's something that other teams have recognized the Union aren't comfortable with doing, and so they're allowing us that space and saying pretty much, hey, go for it. We'll see if uh, if you have the ability to do it, and if not, we'll allow you to get outside. You can make your cross because we're all in here kind of waiting for it. So to shore up your question, yes, the Union are uh, trying to press high. They're trying to press often, and I think that. It has to be in question as well. They may want to start to sit back, allow teams to come out a bit, right, and not think so much about, you know, we know they're going to press us and then we'll wait till they get tired and break it. Drop back a little bit, allow those teams to come out of their shell a little bit, and then try to enforce their will. And so I'm hopeful that we'll see a little bit of a change in that. So well, I'm saying thanks, Karen, for your question. Um, I Hopefully uh, I answered it for you there. Jay in Center City asks, how big of an impact would it be if Ernie Stewart left the union for the United States general manager position? It's a great question, um, and it's pretty concerning. Uh, I mean, concerning from a stance that I think that it would be a setback to union fans who already have some questions about the organization, the stability of the organization, um, who may even want a change at manager, um, and to see the general manager go, 
with the manager still being here would be certainly concerning. Um, I understand from Ernie Stewart's side, and for those of you who uh, haven't heard, it does sound that there were reports that he had interviewed um, with the United States Soccer Federation for that position. Ernie being a formal national team member himself, I can understand that he would be interested um, in you know, having an opportunity to be the architect uh, of the United States program uh, and looking at how player developments being done, how um, who's uh, going to hire the next manager. Um, those things are, I'm sure are very interesting to Ernie Stewart, a guy who, you know, um, likes challenges. Uh, but how does that affect the union? Um, I'm not sure that on a day-to-day basis it, it does much. I mean, we're not talking about um, a technical director or a uh, sporting director who um, is, is out there making a lot of uh, transfers. You know, the union are pretty committed to the youth process, right? Bringing these players up through the academy. The academy's built. It's there. Uh, we're already seeing some of the fruits of um, that process in the uh, Fontanas and the Austin trustees um, in the Mark McKenzie's. So the home grounds are coming and, and there has to be an expectation that there's going to be more, right? The more of these teams are going to start. These players are going to be getting older. Um, I think Aronson is now playing at Bethlehem Steel. He's a young player. Um, so there are some people there. I've personally, when it comes to the academy, I, I've loved everything I've seen. I do wonder though, where are the attacking players? Where are the strikers? Um, you know, I know Fontana has played at the ten, but if I, if you hear Jim Curtin talk back on previous press conferences, he says he's more of an eight, more of a central midfielder who's going to knock the ball, who's strong in possession, but may not be looking to play final balls in and get involved in the attack as much. You know, where are the dangerous players coming out of the academy? Um, it seems like defenders are, are a bit more abundant in the academy right now. Uh, it may be that the defenders are just that, are, you know, a little bit from a maturity standpoint available um, and can make the transition a little bit quicker um, than an attacking player. But um, as far as how Ernie leaving the union right now for another job, yeah, it would be destabilizing for a group that is already in a tough spot. Um, but I don't know that it really changes anything day to day on the field. Um, I believe in Ernie Stewart. I like um, some of the things that he's done since he's came. Obviously, um, the uh, onus to get young players on the field has definitely become a serious one. I think that's a fantastic decision, and I think that's something that will continue whether he's here or not. Um, if you look at Ernie's track record of signings, however, not as strong. Um, I, you know, Harris, I think, is the one that really stands out. Um, outside of Harris, it's kind of spotty. I mean, we haven't seen what Akam has been able to produce yet. Picot did have, Fafa did have a good year last year, and I'm going to you know push that to um, Ernie as well. And Yewu came in last year, who was kind of a solid pickup, but I think he surprised everybody. I don't know that he, that was there was an expectation that he was going to be as good as he was. So, you know, for a team that hasn't won a whole lot in the last few years or hasn't won anything, to be honest, hasn't been in a final for years and years since we were in that Open Cup final, um, and that was pre-Ernie Stewart days, you know, I don't know that there's much um, to lose. I don't know if, if there's very far to go down for us um, from a standpoint of where are we now. So uh, is it a, would it be disappointing to see Ernie leave? It would be, but I don't know that we would ne- necessarily see it on the field immediately. And uh, it would be interesting to see, you know, who would replace him. And because this is also, you know, I don't know how interested parties uh, out there right now would be in this position. I mean, you have a ownership that has clearly 
decided that it's not going to spend with the MLS 3.0 teams that are out there uh, looking for signings like Zlatan or uh, Ezekiel Barco in Atlanta. So you're coming in kind of with your hands tied a bit. I, I'm not sure what they or what or who they would be able to bring in, knowing you know what the card the cards that you have to work with. So it would be interesting if he did decide to take that job from a um, supporter of the United States. I can tell you that. Um, I'm okay with that move if, if they went and hired Ernie Stewart. I think he's somebody who understands um, the United States national team. He understands the youth process and the importance of getting uh, youth into the national team and onto the onto the field in general. So I think he would be strong in that space, uh, making sure that you know, some of those guys from the United States national team who've been around forever and may have um, – kind of maxed out their ability with the national team uh, aren't consistently brought in time after time. Um, not to be rude, but a guy like Graham Zuzzi, who I like, I'm not sure that the replacement value of a young player um, for his minutes doesn't make all the sense in the world at this point. And, you know, you thank him for his contribution over the last four or five years, but I think it's now time to start moving on to a new generation. Next question comes from George and Maniunk. How much longer can Jim Curtin keep his job if they don't start seeing results? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I, I don't like talking about uh, other people's jobs. I don't like saying that someone should lose their job. Um, I think Jim Curtin is a good man. I think he has carried himself very well with the union. Um, however, the results have just not been there. And, you know, often we say, well, it's, you know, it was talent. But, you know, now we went through the offseason and we were told that they have game changers now. David Akam's a game changer. Uh, Borek Dutch calls it game changer. Uh, and I'll tell you, and, you know, three goals, four in the first five games. And, you know, your game changers are your number 10 and essentially a seven or a wing player um, who you played paid a little over a million dollars essentially for. And you don't have really anything to show for those two at this point. Um, so a part of me says, well, you know, is that a question of, did we, did we misevaluate the talent? Is that Ernie Stewart or is it Jim Curtin and the tactics? And I lean right now towards that. We have a tactical issue with the union that, um, we've got no players who are, uh, interested at this time in taking those players on one-on-one. -on -one. And, and so teams in this new MLS have gotten a little bit stronger, a little bit smarter at defending the union. Um, and they're allowing, uh, those positions that, you know, they're allowing the tactics that Jim Curtin's pushing to. We have, if you look at the possession numbers, you see, oh, we have all this possession. We're averaging something like 60% of the possession. We have the ball. Um, but possession is great, but meaningful possession is everything. I mean, what are you doing with the ball? Is the other team allowing you to have the ball because they know that they're just as safe um, when, you have, when you're on the ball, that if they can get into a certain shell, uh, that you're not a dangerous team, even if you're on the ball. So sure, we'll take 40% of, of the possession because, you know, we know that the 20% off is really not putting us in danger. We can defend this accurately and and well, and so we'll wait, and our 40% possession will make sure it's meaningful. If we can scratch out a goal or two, that's enough to get by. Um, so how much longer can Curtin keep his job if they don't start seeing records or seeing uh, some results? I have a tough time believing that this team could get through um, the next two games, specifically the home game against DC. So this weekend we take on, uh, we're in Dallas, which, you know, Dallas, a tough team. I, I can see if you can get a point out of there, I think that that's a good point. Um, 
but three points, it would be difficult uh, for, for that Dallas team. So you, if you come out of that, I'll kind of give them a pass. That's a tough place to play. Uh, but when it comes to the home game against D.C., if you're still having uh, scoring issues, you, you post a poor loss there. Um, I, I just can't see him making it out of there. And, I, again, my hope is that we can start scoring some goals and turn the tide on this a little bit. Um, but I think that the, the volume uh, from the fans is going to get really loud if that D.C. game against a team that we absolutely uh, should beat, we end up not winning at home and, and goal scoring continues to be an issue. Finally, a question from Jared in Narberth, who says, Who's to blame at this point for the slow start? Is it the players? Is it the coaching? Or is it the front office? You know what? I don't like you know putting blame at one person, so I'm going to say each of those three gets an even 33.333%. Um, the players are... You know, the players are executing out there. Um, I mean, there's no reason why to so at the end, late in that Orlando game, there was a cross, I believe, from Fafa and um, both Jay Simpson and CJ just flew past the ball. It actually went behind them. They ended up in the net. I mean, there's something to be said about the fact that there's just not a lot of execution. The players aren't scoring goals. Coaches can do a lot. Um, you know, they're putting the ball in there on you know on our foot we're continuing to have possession but there's something to be said about the players um actually executing and scoring goals i mean david akam has it seems like he's pressing a little bit he had some good opportunities um early in that first half when the union are pressing and they're dominating that game and he has a breakaway where he you know uses his left foot and he puts it on the out you know misses the goal mouth altogether um kind of unacceptable you, you know you have that number one that ball has to be on frame um, you've got to make the goalkeeper work there, uh, and he didn't. And so, you know, it's hard to blame Curtin or the front office for a player not executing that way. And I'm not just pulling out David, you know, David Akam. You know, it's all of the union players. Somebody has to step up and and start, you know, make a change, make something happen in that game. Um, does Curtin have some responsibility? Of course, the tactics aren't working. You have to make changes. You have to be willing to um, do something different. I mean, we look back and. Um, you know, two games ago when we had a 70th minute sub and we're moving in, a, you know, Ray Gaddison at left back. And I don't think that helped push us towards getting three points at home. I, I think that was, if anything, just trying to get out of that game with the point that we had. Uh, Ray's a great guy. He's been, a def- you know, a great defender, great one-on-one defender, um, really a good culture guy for the Philadelphia Union. I'm proud that he's on the Union team. But he didn't bring, one, in, a, in a 1-1 game at home, I think you've got to be pressing that game forward. Um, to getting the three points, and I didn't think that that was a substitution that spoke to a coach that's looking to do that. Um, and then Ernie does have some responsibility as well, right? I mean, he brings in Dodge Call late in the preseason. Listen, there's a thousand reasons. I don't have any idea what's going on with the transfer market in China, and heck, maybe he had no option, and that was the best that he could do. But it was too late, and you can you get the feel from this team that they are just not totally conjoined, that not all the pieces really understand how one another are moving. Um you know, and you know the con move was good, but you know, are we putting a square peg in a round hole? I mean, if you look at the center of our midfield, we have three players in Harris, Bedoya, and Dachkal. None of those three have any interest in attacking, really one on one. I mean, I have a hard time understanding how that's this our center midfield and what we're expecting to get out of it. So, if you told me that that was our center midfield and that Dachkal is a uh, volume ten. 
60% possession makes sense to me. They're guys who like to be on the ball, who are going to play, um, you know, left and right, really, you know, but not north and south or east and west. They like to hold the ball. They like to get it outside. They like to get the ball back, get a look up, continue to hold the ball. But they're not playing that final ball in into dangerous places. And if you look at that union front line, they seem disconjoined too. They all look like they're waiting on the edge or right on that line, that defensive line, to go over the top or, or for a ball that's played through. You know, there's nobody, never to CJ dropping in and you have Fafa or David Akam making a hard, you know, run, uh, you know, around him or an overlapping run. There's just no cohesion. There's really no chemistry. There's no flow to their attack. It's very, very bland, very north and south. Here we're coming. We're going to come up the sides. We're going to cross it in. Okay, it's in the middle. We've got to get it outside because that's the space that we have because in the middle of the field, it would mean that we have to attack one-on-one, one of these defenders, and it's really not where we want to be. So everybody, players, coaching, front office, they share the blame from me at this point. Um, but moving forward, what can be done about it, right? That's on Jim Curtin to make changes to that lineup to, uh, to get more results. All right. So I want to say thank you to those who did send in those questions for the mailbag this week. Um, and in the future, uh, we'll be taking more questions. So after this break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's coming up this weekend. Okay, so this weekend, uh, the Union will travel to Dallas and Toyota Park to face off against FC Dallas. Uh, Dallas come into the game with a much different beginning uh, to their season than the Philadelphia Union. Dallas is 2-0-3. They are unbeaten at this point. They have a goal differential of plus four. They've scored seven goals. They've only given up three. And if you look at who they've played so far, it's you know pretty impressive. Uh, they start off with a draw at home against Real Salt Lake, followed by a win at home, 3 nothing against the Sounders. They drew at home against the Portland Timbers and uh, against the Colorado Rapids uh, as well. And then they won away against New England last weekend. So, it's a team that's coming in that has not lost at this point. They are strong at home. Um, Oscar Preya is a very good coach. He's been in MLS for a long time. He's they they're kind of the uh, pioneer of the homegrown talents. Um, their lot roster is full of homegrowns, so should be an exciting game for the Union. Um, and hopefully, we can pull three points out of it. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who joined us on the program today, and we hope to have you back soon. Have a great day. Say what I think that the company stinks. Yes, I'm a union man.